Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Librarian Influencers Podcast, and today I have Nicole Kane with us. So Nicole, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background in education. I know you're not from the library background, but you have a connection um, with school librarians, but let us know a little bit about your what your education background is. Yeah, so thanks for having me. My name is Nicole Kang. Um, my background is a little bit special. I started out as an engineer, kind of. Um, I went okay. to school at MIT. So right. over there, you actually cannot major in education. But then I realized uh, I didn't really want to be an engineer and I wanted to be an educator. And during my time at MIT, I was actually working on a lot of educational initiatives, ranging from STEM things to online learning to educational games, all sorts of things. And I was really close to actually getting my teacher certification while I was there. But unfortunately, Massachusetts just increased the number of student teaching hours by like two and (laughs) taking a full course load on top of trying to student teach that many hours was a little bit difficult for me. So I didn't go through that route. Okay. All right. So yeah. After graduation, I did, uh, you know, stuff in research and now I run elementary, which is a online platform to write and code interactive stories. Okay. So we're going to get into that in just a little bit. So can you tell me a little about how, how did you make the connection with what you're doing now with school libraries? How did that come about? So um, what I found was a lot of school librarians um, in the process of trying to be all future ready and all of that jazz, they're holding a lot of like, they're wearing a lot of hats, let's say, and they're doing kind of everything from teaching, you know, digital citizenship to getting kids to want to read books, to engaging kids even outside of, you know, traditional library spaces into like maker spaces, um, getting students to create their own content, mm-hmm. all sorts of things like that. So that's actually how um, I made the connection with school librarians. And um, one of the big things that we got was in 2019, we got the American School Librarian Association Best Website Award. Yeah. So that was another way that we connected with a lot of librarians and got a lot of librarians interested in elementary. And that should get a lot of exposure for y'all just because that list just stays up, you know, and they, they let it build over the years. And so that's awesome that y'all were awarded that. That meant some librarian recognized, you know, what y'all were doing and um, went through that process of the nomination and um, all the evaluation that's involved with that. So that hasn't been around for very long then, or is it a fairly new? So we've been working, like we've been working on it for about three-ish years, but it was only until last year that we really went out and developed our educator features. So it's still relatively new and the team is just myself and my partner. So we're a very tiny team working um, on basically what we have. So um, it's a little bit of a different process than what you expect, like, you know, startups to have with like Mm -hmm. tons of money and tons of support. We're just kind of like a mom and pop shop, just uh, dealing with uh, things that come around. So it allows us freedom though. So that's awesome. So a lot of my audience is like first or second year librarians. Mm -hmm. So when you think back to like when you were starting and initially making that connection with them, can you 
describe maybe some of the challenges or some of the, the accomplishments? Like what kind of things happened at those earliest years? Yeah, so I think most um, librarians are looking at the AASL standards, um, and a lot of them are centered around digital creation or digital publishing. And since our tool allows you to create stories and publish them, it kind of goes through the whole, uh, kind of hits on all the aspects of AASL in that regard. Um, so that's kind of uh, what a lot of library teacher librarians have been interested in elementary for, and we've actually been used in some universities for that purpose, um, for their, you know, lesson planning, things like that during oh. their time of, uh, you know, while they're using the new tools for technology, for example. Okay. That's awesome. Okay, well, let's go on and keep talking about, um, about the coding and with the schools and librarians. So what do, you, what do you see happening? Like what kind of influence or impact do you see happening when librarians and teachers add coding to their classrooms? So I always like to say coding is just another way that students can express themselves. Mm -hmm. um, students can express themselves, you know, through traditional ways such as like writing or drawing or um, things like that. But coding is another way and it's kind of a special way that students can express themselves. That's kind of purely only in the digital realm. I mean, yeah. you can do unplugged activities, but you can't yeah. get the same result, obviously, because you do need a computer to run the instructions. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I see a lot of librarians interested in coding is because um, oftentimes they set up uh, rotation stations. And so coding is a rotation station that can be added that doesn't really require too many materials. And especially during times now where sharing materials is a bit iffy, mm -hmm. um, having a digital coding sort of rotation station might be a better option in that regard. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I see librarians uh, using coding for. And really the impact is just that students, uh, some students are very, very engaged in coding because they get a real and immediate feedback to whatever they're doing, which mm -hmm. is part of the reason why they love things like games, right? Like games give you that real immediate feedback. Yeah. And it's so rewarding as a, as a kid to, to do something, be like, oh, that's so cool. I did that. And it lets them have a sense of accomplishment. And of course, then you could tie it in with all sorts of things like digital citizenship, because coding isn't just in its realm by itself. You don't code in a, in a corner and you never yeah. share it. Coding, like coding is meant to be yeah. It's meant to be uh, shared either as a product like a game or a website or something like that. And um, the, the process of coding also develops a whole bunch of skills that teachers and librarians all love, like mm -hmm. things like, oh, building analytical skills, collaboration, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of ways that you can implement coding into the curriculum, and it doesn't have to be uh, so like set on like robots or mazes. And so that's why I think a lot of librarians, especially like elementary, because we bring in the storytelling aspect and they're like, oh, stories, we could read a book, then we can code a book, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I think too, like librarians, they need to realize, um, especially when they're just starting out, that they're one of the few people that sees everybody on campus. Mm -hmm. So that if, if, if a teacher, if a kid ends up in a classroom with a teacher who never mentions coding or offers any opportunity of coding, that's where the library can really come into play because they're, they, vis they serve everyone. 
um, especially in the elementary level, you know, when they're coming in, oftentimes on those fixed rotation schedules like that. Um, and it, they, they can be like the great equalizer, you know, providing the equal opportunity to everybody to have these kind of experiences. And that's a wonderful uh, experience that we want everybody to have. So that, that's great that you're developing things that talk about that. So tell us a little bit more about elementary, uh, which is the name of your, your coding. What, what, what did I say? Is it a coding program? You're coding... So it's a online platform website thing, okay. but I also run now coding clubs every oh. Saturday. So okay. I have two coding clubs um, and they're open to the public and free. I also stream those events and record them. So if you're interested on how I do that, then uh, you're more than welcome to, to check them out. Oh. <laughs> and um, my main thing though for elementary and coding clubs or really anything regarding elementary in general is that I really want to push for uh, combining literacy and coding together. Um, and this isn't just, so when we think of coding and literacy, oftentimes we think of them as two separate domains. It's like, oh, one is humanity. You have the humanities people and they don't really like the science stuff or the, the coding and math stuff. And then you have like, oh, he's a math or a coding person. He, he's not really interested in the reading and the writing and those type of things. And those type of stereotypes are really harmful. <laughs> and it's not the case at all that we have separate domains in the real world. So I always like to bring up, um, examples in the real world of coding with, you know, humanities. And the one that everyone is familiar with is games. So games are really, really fun, but it's not because we, you know, we shoot things. I mean, that could be part of the fun, but um, another way that games can be really fun is the storytelling aspect of it. And the story is actually coded. So we would have to code for, you know, different events because we want to make the story personal. And that's a whole, that's a whole new way of storytelling that isn't um, in our traditional mediums of, you know, the book or even the, the ebook or something like that. So um, literacy and coding don't have to be separate. They're, they're combined in the real world. And elementary, um, we have a very unique visual coding environment that is built for storytelling purposes. So okay. if you had any experience with um, visual programming languages such as Scratch or Code.org or Tinker, Thunkable, all those like CodeMonkey, all those different platforms, they use something called Blockly. Yeah. And Blockly is you snap blocks together. Um, elementary has a different visual coding environment. It's called a node-based visual coding environment. And basically you connect the blocks together, kind of like a flow chart. It looks more like a flow chart. And it's also known as a flow-based coding something. Um, the, the bottom line is, is that there's a misconception that visual coding is just for babies. Real coding is Python and JavaScript. And that's not the case at all because we have professional game development engines and animation software that use visual coding um, okay. built in. And some of those are like Unity and Unreal Engine. And you probably don't know what any of those mean, but you definitely know the games they produce and your kids definitely know. And it's like Fortnite. Um, so <laughs> that's another way to kind of get interest from kids and be like, hey, you know, uh, the games that you play, they're built using these engines and we're going to code something that looks kind of similar to this engine. Um, it's a bit of a stretch, but it gets kids excited. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, that's the kind of thing I want to just 
steer is just coding is more than like robots and mazes, which is our, the way that we kind of view coding in the K to 12 spaces, at least I see. Like we'll have a robot, we want him to go through a maze or we want him to go from point A to point B. Um, but really coding can be more than that. It could be animation. It could even be right now in one of my uh, coding clubs, we're writing an RPG game where the main character is going to have to make choices that will influence her relationship with different characters. We have, it's mostly preteen teen girls in my club. So uh, it's, uh, it's like, there's a bully and like, oh, you have to respond in a certain way. And then maybe your charm goes up or I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a work in progress. We'll see what it, what happens at the end of the month. <laughs> All right, so you call this platform elementary, but is it, but as you're talking, it's more than just elementary students, right? It, yes. Yeah. So um, it's, it's for all grade levels. So it's a K to 12 platform. And we actually see it used at university level as well for digital storytelling. And storytelling is not just for a specific grade level, obviously storytelling is universal and across all age groups. And so we're an authoring tool. So at the basic level, it's an authoring tool, which means it's up to you on what you want to code or write or do. So we have things from, you know, static picture books to things that are like games. Um, and we have a library of over 13,000 illustrations and sounds that are on the platform that you can use. And the cool thing that librarians like is when you publish a story, um, it automatically credits and notifies all the artists and musicians whose work have been used. So we have this sort of a uh, auto crediting system. Yeah. <laughs> That's neat. That's very neat. So I know, at least initially, to be on the AASL list, you would have needed to be a free product. Is this still a free product? or? Yes. So we have a free tier and we have a paid tier. So okay. the free tier is one classroom of up to 35 student accounts. Um, and you have access to only the free features. So you won't be able to access all the images. You won't be able to upload your own images, uh, see your student analytics or give feedback on student stories among other things. So um, usually librarians under the free tier, they'll just use 35 you know, workstations and call them computer one, computer two, computer three, and then have their students come in and write stories on them that way. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about like how, if a librarian was wanting to give this a try, um, what, what would be the process of them learning about your elementary? Yeah, so um, right now I'm actually starting up a coding club package that has videos on and stories on how to kind of set up and do everything, especially in this, you know, um, difficult environment of teaching, <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> so um, it gives some tips on what to do and what I do in my coding club. So if you wanna do what I do, you can kind of follow along and do that. Okay. Um, but otherwise it's pretty self-explanatory. There's a couple tutorials on how to start a class and get students on board and stuff, but it's meant to be easy enough-ish to follow, hopefully. So <laughs> you okay. can get started right away. Um, we have kids probably as young as kindergarten writing uh, picture books, AKA they're just dragging images on the page and the teacher's helping them write. Yeah. Um, and then usually I would say second grade, they can write stories rather independently and start coding independently because there's also built-in tutorials that help along with that process. Okay. So that's just uh, kind of how to get started, I guess. <laughs> and just out of curiosity, have you had something amazing that you have seen students oh. do? 
Yes, I there was. Um, uh, so we have teachers who do really cool stuff. But what I was really impressed was there was a fifth grader uh, during when when basically school closed down in spring and everything was on panic mode. Uh, and his teacher just got all her class on board and they were just writing. I don't even think she gave an assignment. It might've just been like write a story for a friend and something like that. And he was able to create a really amazing choose your own adventure that had animations, different choices, different endings. And he was in fifth grade. I was like, I'm proud of you. And especially since, um, since it was just a kind of uh, open sort of assignment, the t- it wasn't like the teacher was teaching him how to do any of this. So it was just him exploring and figuring it out by himself or watching some of the tutorials and figuring it out. So it was really impressive. <laughs> That's very neat. Awesome. All right. So uh, Nicole, you, you've shared so many good ideas for people who are wanting to start introducing um, coding into their school libraries and to their schools, you know, in general. So if people want to follow you, where, where can they find information about you and, and about elementary online? So you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Nico Rars, N-I-K-O-R-A-W-R-S. That's my personal handle, but basically I just retweet my elementary handle, which is <laughs> elementary, uh, spelt like elementary like school, but with an I instead of a Y at the end, underscore IO. And um, the next big thing would be the website. So it's elementary.io. And finally, a lot of the videos and all of the replays of my coding clubs, as well as I previously also did some uh, teacher guest coder episodes where I brought in teachers um, to code. Those are all found on our YouTube channel, which is uh, elementary underscore io so you can also probably find that through uh the website (laughs) bottom footer yeah well thank you so much this is something new and then librarians can find time to start studying this you know themselves or or maybe just making that available to their kiddos right away and i think that's one thing that we have we we need to realize is that our kids are ready for a lot more than we may personally be ready for (laughs) so oh definitely Uh, that's why i always tell teachers because actually uh we have a lot of librarians and then we also have a lot of english teachers who use this in their class the literacy yeah. yeah and they're they don't know anything about coding at all like they're like what is coding i don't know and i'm like don't worry it's fine. Your kids will probably teach you and they'll be super excited to do so. So just learn to grow with them. (laughs) That's true. That growth mindset matters for us as adults as well. And a couple of years ago, there was a a quote, a library thing that was going around about brave before perfect. So this is a time for the librarians and the educators to be brave and give this a try before they know how to do it perfectly. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome talking to you. And I, I love the I love being able to share new ideas with the librarian. So thank you for very much. Well, thank you for having me. I'll start following you and I can't wait to get started on your site as well. So have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.